Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. All right, so welcome everybody to this episode of False Bottom Girls. It is once again a very special episode because we have another very special guest with us today. We're continuing our suite of uh, STEM episodes, and you know we started off with Dr. Sharon Jones from Dottie Rose Foundation giving us a broad view of the importance of STEM and STEAM um, for women, in particular, uh, young women. Uh, then we had Danny Oliver from the um, Island to Island Brewing and Kiddo Ranch and Beers Giving. She uh, does, does a lot of projects and newly elected Pink Boots member. I don't remember if we were able to say congrats to Danny actually on the show for that, but she is our newest Pink Boots Society board member. Um, and now today we have Melanie Kugler here. Um, Melanie is, uh, if you have been listening for a while, you know, uh, probably like in episode two, we referenced having a friend who taught middle school chemistry who offered to speak to us like we were 12 about chemistry. And so she is here with us today uh, to do just that. So with that, Melanie, I will let you uh, introduce yourself. Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you so much because this is like my jam. Um, yes, I, I was a middle school teacher for 13 years, taught middle school, seventh grade specific science for that whole time, I was in North Carolina for some of it, South Carolina for some of it. And when I went to South Carolina, chemistry was part of my um, curriculum. So um, I'm by no means an expert, but I'm pretty decent at talking to hormonal teenagers about <laughs> science. So I feel like the brewing industry is full of people who are stuck in that hormonal teenager stage. And so this seems like the right place to be. So I'm super excited. Yeah. <laughs> My husband is a brewer. Um, that's not the only reason I'm into beer. I've been into beer since I started working in a bar and, you know, college. So um, it just kind of happened that way. He was a former teacher as well. So yeah, that's kind of the background uh, at a very high level. And yeah, so I'm excited. Awesome. Well, thank you, Melanie. And I, I think it would be kind of a nice tie back to the episode we did with Dr. Sharon. If you wanted to tell us briefly what what made you interested in pursuing science as a, as a field and then also teaching uh, teaching science. So I don't really have like an amazing story about that. It's just where I've always been drawn to. I always thought that um, science was the PE of actual content. Sorry, PE teachers, but like <laughs> you could be the rock star teacher and like make things explode and do cool stuff in your classroom um, without having to like wear spandex and blow a whistle, but which I did as a volleyball coach for years, but you know, it was a really easy way to like have a good time in the classroom and kind of get away with stuff that you might not if you were a math or an English teacher. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really good point. And now I think through all of the science teachers I've had, I'm like, yeah, you were a little wily. Like, yeah, you definitely. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, so when we were getting ready to uh, have Melanie on, we knew that obviously it was going to be chemistry. And Rachel and I 
have spoken, I think, at length on this podcast and in real life about, you know, neither one of us being terribly scientifically minded and feeling like we don't really have a good grasp on chemistry, particularly brewing chemistry. I know my last chemistry class, I think I was a sophomore in high school yeah. and, um, you know, just always just not feeling very steady with that. And so before we got started, we were all talking about that. And Melanie, you, you told us like, it's not, it's not nearly as complicated as it seems. And you probably do already understand it, which is something that I, that's, you know, I, I had been saying before we started recording that when I'm reading these concepts, I'm starting to feel like I just need to get out of my mind that I'm not scientific and I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, so we were exactly. you know, talking about the, it's, it's kind of hard to approach somebody and say, come on the podcast and talk about chemistry, like all of chemistry. Cause I don't know what to tell you to talk about. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, okay, and now go. Exactly. Exactly. So what we uh, kind of ended up on as a broad topic and we'll see, you know, where the conversation takes us is fermentation. I know that, um, you know, I would, I would say that fermentation, I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp, um, you know, with chemistry, what's happening, but um, yeah. And that's, that's, I also apologize because now that I, you know, I'm saying all of it aloud, I'm like fermentation is still a pretty broad topic, but um, I guess talk to us about fermentation. Yeah. <laughs> and go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't up. know what to ask you. Break it down for me. Like I'm a child. Right. So I guess Melanie, what is fermentation? <laughs> Melanie is Googling what is fermentation. And- right now, <laughs> currently. I'm watching all the YouTube videos at once. It's taking up all my bandwidth. <laughs> well, as brewers, you know, like we know fermentation is the process of yeast metabolizing starches or sugars and turning them into ethanol, CO2, more yeast. But like... <sighs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. So that, that exhale is every middle schooler. Like you are like taking me back. Like that's everything. I love it. That's wonderful. Tell me more. (laughs) All right. So, okay, here we go. And I'm going to make it simple. Right. First of all, it's not just chemistry. It's biology as well. That's what I said. That's You got it. You're correct. Gold star. It's it's biology too, right? Because yeah. biological. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So all first right, cool. of all, chemistry Good. is everything. So if you're a chemistry person, I hear you. Chemistry is everything. So um, <laughs> in the world. So also <laughs> this is more like biochemistry. So you've got the biological part because yeast is alive, right? If you're doing it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm sure you've killed some yeast in your day quite a bit. Yes, sure. Definitely. Um, but you like to keep it alive and you like to keep it doing its job because its waste is our awesomeness. It's our alcohol. So, (laughs) um, but yeast is not doing fermentation to make alcohol. Yeast is doing fermentation to create ATP for itself or energy so it can stay alive. So if I'm taking you back to middle school and high school biology class, um, and I kind of was, as I was doing research, because, you know, I don't just like remember this stuff. um, (laughs) I was like, I did the same thing that you all did. I Googled it and I was like, oh God, this is a lot of stuff that I forgot (laughs) because, you know, I teach middle school, not high school. So a lot of the things you saw was like high school based. So you don't need it anyway. Sorry, high school (laughs) teachers. But um, 
think back to the day you learned about mitochondria. Okay. Like everybody remember that day. That's right. Power house of the cell. Yes. If there's one thing and your teacher will never let you ever forget. Right. Right. I, I can't do why. taxes, I, but I, didn't I know, know that, that was the like mitochondria universal, is the powerhouse of the cell. I didn't know that yeah. was a universal taught. Like oh, I didn't yeah. know all teachers are like, it was one thing all the students should know. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, obviously every, every it's just living something thing easy to needs remember, it. I guess. Right. It's cool. Right. <laughs> so, um, okay. So yeast does have mitochondria. What fermentation doesn't specifically take place in the mitochondria, but I feel like that was my gateway into you guys. So, <laughs> in the animal cells that we have, um, cellular respiration happens in the mitochondria. We do it in the presence of oxygen. It's why we inhale. It's why we breathe. Um, so our process of cellular respiration takes that glucose, the sugars, the stuff we eat, combines it with oxygen, and we release carbon dioxide, water, and ATP, which is like what our cells find as the most important part. So Yeast does the same thing, except they're in a low oxygen environment. So it's anaerobic, it's happening in the mm -hmm. same way, but they're not using oxygen. So it's that glucose breaking down um, to release carbon dioxide, either alcohol or lactic acid, depending on what you are, if you're yeast or bacteria, um, and then carbon dioxide and ATP. So from the yeast perspective, it's producing ATP so it can stay alive. From our perspective, the yeast is creating alcohol so that we can party. Sure. That's basically <laughs> it, right? <laughs> so, no, I mean, that is it. That, that's right. That, thank you. Because you didn't just confirm <laughs> a lot of things that, like, yeah. I know this. Yeah, you I do. Can't say it. Right. Because <laughs> scientists like to have the key to all the vocabulary. <laughs> and that's what we do. I mean, that's what I would teach my students as well. It's like, you know, you know all this stuff because you're alive. You just don't know the words that the fancy people use. And once you use those words, you sound fancy and everything's cool. The end, you, you pass the test, you're fine. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and the two different kinds of fermentation really are that lactic acid fermentation, or at least the two that are most familiar, lactic acid fermentation and alcohol fermentation. Mm -hmm. So the lactic acid ones are the ones that are, are the fermentation is done by things like bacteria, human body cells when we're in a low oxygen environment. So like you might've heard during biology that like when you work out for a long time and you don't have enough oxygen, that's why you get like lactic acid buildup and cramps and all that stuff. So that's that. Um, that's where things like yogurt, kimchi, yummy stuff yeah. like that comes from. Um, kombucha, I think is like a, a weird thing. Mm -hmm. I'm still understanding it. You guys might be able to speak to me more on that. It might be like in the middle, cause depending yeah. on what you use. Cause I'm guessing it can use bacteria or yeast. Yeah. So when you're fermenting with uh, kombucha, you're using the SCOBY and that is the, um, I forgot what S is. I want to say it's like specific, but that might be wrong, but it's culture of bacteria and yeast. Ah, okay. So I there we go. See, yes. I learned something. That was awesome. I figured you guys would know that part. I was like, yeah. I have kombucha question mark on my paper here. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't drink it. My husband does, but I don't know. Right. So I, I do think that's really interesting, Melanie, and I hadn't thought about it before. It's you just explaining it that the yeast thinks that it's doing one thing and we view yeast as doing a, a different thing. So that that's really helpful um, to, yeah. to keep that, you know, the, and Rachel has said this before, I think she said it actually on one of the podcast episodes I accidentally deleted, but you know, it's, oh, it's like, the yeah, like <laughs> yeast doesn't care about your beer, you know, no, it isn't out there trying to do, trying to make you the best yeah. beer possible. 
and you know it's um and maybe you can speak to this or explain this a little bit better than I can, but, you know, we've, we've joked before about the brewing process is really just about like, you know, like you're murdering barley, you're tricking it into starting to grow. And then like you heat it up until it dies. And then like, you're stressing out yeast um, and, you know, to get it, like we're purposely depriving it of what it needs to be the best yeast it can be. Oh my uh, gosh. So that way it like, that way it's creating alcohol. Now- Pita is gonna get on us on the beer industry. <laughs> yeah, well, the plants. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're basically yeast farmers, and that's fine. Um, and the product is alcohol, which is wonderful. So it's all about controlling that yeast and giving it the yeah. condition that's gonna produce what you want. So right. you know, through your pH, through your water, through your um, temperature, you're creating that environment for the yeast to do what you want it to do, because as a brewer, you want it to be as consistent and as on target as possible to what you expect. So, you know, that's kind of where you guys come in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There's so many different types that it is. Yeah. Right. I once had a head brewer yeah. tell me, you create the art, the canvas for the yeast to make its art on. Ugh. I was like, okay, Gross. <laughs> <laughs> go back yeah. to your office. And, you know, recently, one of the things I had seen, uh, I think it was during CBC online during somebody's presentation, they said, <laughs> you know, like, basically, <laughs> yeast has tricked all of us into keeping it alive. Like yeast runs yes. the world because like <laughs> now there's all these industries that are just devoted to making sure that this yeast is happy and like doing, you know, <laughs> well, even, even before we knew about yeast. Mm-hmm. It was running yeah. the world. I mean, it fermenta- It was just safer to drink and eat a fermented product. And people didn't know that that's what was happening, but they knew like, oh, the- this is the good stuff. So whatever you're making, you know, if it, you just knew, you just knew it was something, but you didn't know exactly why. And that's basically, right. that's how, you know, a lot of brewers learn too. You right, know, exactly. You know this is happening, but you're not sure exactly why all the time. That's why we have people like Melanie come and tell us about giving. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, and why. you know, you know enough to do what you need to do, and you're not yeah. taking up all your brain space with all of those things right. that you saw when you first Googled, which and, is like and that's much. important too. <laughs> like when you are learning about beer, like don't wrap yourself around this so much where it freaks you out, like and you don't think you can learn about beer because it's just one part of it. And there's so much art to it. There's so much other aspects to it. So this is why Jen and I are advanced Cicerones being like, explain chemistry why, to me like why. I'm a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Melanie, I know through, uh, I mean, through my own experience as a home brewer, uh, through judging, I, the, the biggest faults I see when I'm particularly judging are fermentation related. And I think that's because now even homebrewers have access to really good quality raw ingredients. Um, but one of the things I, I run into quite a bit is, you know, you can obviously tell in the finished beer when a beer has had a stressed out fermentation, but I know temperature control is a big challenge for a lot of homebrewers. So can you speak to the importance of temperature control in fermentation? Right. So it basically is just about keeping that yeast alive and active. So um, drop the temperature too low and the yeasts are not doing their thing. They're not jazzed about making ATP. They don't need to make ATP because they're not really 
they're alive, but they're not really, they're kind of dormant. They're just mm-hmm. chilling. They don't need to it's temperature too hot. And you're literally killing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't do all the things it needs to do. So, I mean, that's why, and like you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more about a range of temperature that's mm-hmm. workable than an exact. And I think a lot of home brewers, I know, you know, my husband and his friends getting started off and they would really start to worry about the little details of like, it's not hitting this exact number. It's not hitting this exact number. Well, I mean, obviously there are ideal numbers you want to hit, but, and if you're looking for that consistency of a large brewery, that's going to be super important. But from the homebrew perspective, if you're in a range, (laughs) you're going to be fine. Right. So if your, you know, ambient temperature goes up a little bit, you're not going to be like, you're not going to have to dump it. Um, if it goes too low, you're not going to have to, if it goes way out of that range, then you might have some issues. And I think that's also why yeast is amazing <laughs> right. because it's a lot more forgiving than bacteria as well. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, if you kill good bacteria, you're always also going to kill bad bacteria and vice versa. So if you're trying to keep the bad bacteria out, you're also keeping the good bacteria out. Whereas yeast is a little more forgiving. It doesn't um, need that oxygen. So it can do its magic a little bit more forgivingly if I if I'm speaking correctly I need to do a little bit more research on that right <laughs> no it, it that's, needs, that's it, needs right it, on. it needs it initially but it can after that aerobic fermentation it can survive it does survive well with anaerobic fermentation so the it, it, in beer yeah. at least it needs that initial burst of oxygen mm-hmm. to get going but other than that um, right it can do both yeah right so I also know uh, this was something that um, still freaks me out, uh, which is pH. But I know as a brewer starting out, like Rachel said, like it's it's completely possible. And it was you know a couple of years before I started really getting into the details. I knew that you heated up the water to this temperature. You know you put your grain in for this long, and I didn't know exactly why. Um, but pH was one of those things that after I read Water by John Palmer. I was like, mm. oh, I need to get, I need to get a pH meter. We've yeah. been like, we've been doing this wrong. And all of our beer was completely <laughs> turning out completely fine. But I know you had just mentioned that before the importance of pH with fermentation. Um, so I guess let's kind of jump back. So this, the pH is definitely something I, I need you to explain to me. Like I am a middle schooler. I under sort of understand the concept. I know what ranges I need my, my mash to be in. Um, but you know, beyond that, I'm, I'm kind of lost. Like I'm, I'm not always sure why I need that pH range in the range that it's supposed to be. Right. And so pH is a tricky thing and it's always a tricky thing. Um, and even there's even dispute among scientists about what the actual letters pH stand for, (laughs) but it's kind (laughs) of understood well a little bit. And again, I'm sure there's a bunch of like, love you nerds out there that are going to be like, (laughs) you idiot. But everybody knows, listen, I dealt with 13 year olds for 13. (laughs) Yeah. It's 13 year olds for 13 years. Come do my job. So, um, (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) Um, it's mostly about, yeah, it's mostly about what's what's happening with the hydrogen. Um, and that's, like even more high level than needs to be known because really it's about a comfortable environment. So, you know, living things like a certain pH, um, cells will start to die if something is too acidic or too basic because the functions of the cell cannot happen. The chemistry just can't happen um, if the pH is too high or too low. So, I mean, that's the short answer. The long answer would be to explain exactly what's happening with hydrogen 
um, molecules <laughs> and electrons and nobody wants that. So, um, <laughs> I can go a I'll little bit. I'll call you later. I'll call you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's can get really complicated, but it's really just about the environment for the yeast. I mean, really, it's all about making the yeast happy enough right. to do what we want and then using it again to do more. <laughs> right. And that's, um, I, I think, again, like you, you just talking about all of this and like the, the moral of the story is you need to keep the yeast happy. And I keep going back to that, like, did yeast really trick everybody into keeping it alive? Like, yeah, is, yeah, that, is that our purpose? 100%. On there, Earth? Are, <laughs> there are businesses with multiple locations around the world keeping yeast alive. Right, yeah, right. That's it. Exactly. It's like we're, we're worried about like the singularity and it's like, yeah, but yeast has been here like the whole time and has... But, but like, I just don't want to go... It needs to keep it happy. I just can't, <laughs> as a brewer, go out to the field behind my brewery and collect natural yeast and get a good product so it's like you could if you like well if you I, well you could if you like yeah and also just like got to know it like you got to know you have to know your yeast you have to know what it's capable of and there's yeah. nobody's got time for that so nobody's you, got the time for that yeah nobody's got time for that. So <laughs> you so trust these the people yep yeah you trust these people and then you even within different environments and different breweries yeast is going to act a little bit differently because mm -hmm. every environment's different oh, yeah. so so i mean as yeah. one, one, find left the yeast has that their works own uh, yeah left hand has their own yeast string that i used to work at left hand they have a use their own left hand yeast string that yeah. they that when they need a new pitch they order they have white labs they say okay white labs i need another left hand ale left hand ale left hand lager that's what it is but i don't know how they did that like it's just, well, they didn't do it. It's just mutated over the time, but yeah, that's, in, that's impressive. Like I don't, we, I don't brew the same beer either. So I don't care about sometimes I harvest, sometimes I don't. Right. But it's just really impressive when your brewery is that old and like that going to have your own yeast string. Sorry. I guess it's like an F you to yeast. It's like, you know, yeast, you're controlling us for so many years. Well, now we have a <laughs> strain of yeast. that's like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh -huh. that's right. Like, right. <laughs> But yeah, the yeast is like, oh, Got okay. You back. Now we, yeah. we yeah. branded you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. You're in charge. Okay. Uh, but I, I know I've had that before yeah. with um, a couple of different breweries where I, when I've been drinking enough of their beer and I know Burial um, in, out of Asheville is a very, like one that sticks out in my mind where I tasted one of their new beers and somebody asked me, what does it taste like? And I was like, it tastes like a Burial beer and you know I realized like the reason why it tastes like a burial beer is because they're using their house strain and so that is the you know the characteristic in the beer that it's like oh yeah this is this is burial beer and so I if you can that. if you can sit down and have you know like <laughs> get get like six beers from bells or something and sit down and taste all the different styles and see if you can pick out whether oh. they are using a house strain and that's, you know, it's like Rachel doesn't always brew the same beer, but if particularly if you're somebody like left hand, like that consistency is key. And, you know, having that house character that's happened over time, once you get your yeast to where you want it to be, is you're, you're also right. important. That's a weird thing. Like, just kind of thinking back, there's definitely breweries I've had where all the beers taste the same. And they're different beers, you know, because mm -hmm. of this like yeast strain. But I don't feel like that's the case with left hand beer. 
you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you maybe but if they you do sat have... down and did like a, a horizontal tasting rather than a vertical tasting, maybe you would be able to pick that out. Maybe. I don't know. Field trip. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think what we're all getting at here. <laughs> yeah that is interesting though because there are some breweries where you're just like how do does how do these all taste the same dude like seriously this is a problem like it's a problem to me i don't see i don't i don't think it is a problem i do so there's that i guess it depends on your goal like are you a consistency person or are you more like why does your amber uh, variety yeah taste like your colch taste like your ipa and it's not like like you could tell the differences in the hops and the malt but it's like that that yeah. terror of the finish of the it's just all the same this like yeah l- leftover lingering sameness that i don't agree i don't think that's cool all right so know. here's <laughs> what here's what popped into my head because i'm not a, a i'm not as into beer as y'all it's like okay the hemsworth boys are all gorgeous right <laughs> so <laughs> that's the yeast strand like are you right. cool with having all the Hemsworths look the same or not? Like that's the difference. <laughs> okay. like, right. Right. Looking I mean, it's seen are different things. I don't know. <laughs> I, let me meet the Hemsworths the, and we'll talk about it. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, I guess Molly, since we're on this subject and it's funny because um, when <laughs> this episode comes out, our, our cask episode won't come out, but we recorded that last weekend and Rachel and I also have divergent views on cask on cask beer, uh, so we will also have. Uh, we're learning a lot about each other now. Quarantine <laughs> of what we what? don't. Because because I was like I like to drink one glass and then I'm done. She's like, let me drink the whole cask. That's the way I go. I'm like, I guess so. Uh, so with the with something Love like it. a yeast strain picking up that the the house character i is that something you can speak to in terms of how and why that happens is that just kind of the the microflora and fauna or i don't remember which one's which but is that just <laughs> kind of like the the environment that's affecting yeah that? yeah and it's also because that strain has been um isolated it's genetics as well so if you go into that you're thinking you know a population on an island versus a population you know, in a larger place. So mm-hmm. it's just selectively breeding that yeast. It's keeping it to itself and mm-hmm. isolating it and keeping the environment isolating as well so that you have more control. So it just depends on what your goals are. If your goal is to have a consistent controlled product where you know exactly what's going to happen, you're probably going to want lean toward that strain of your own. If you are wanting to have more v- variety and variability, and, you know, kind of see what happens, that's when you're going to not be as controlling with it. And that's where you have, you know, open fermentation on the way other side of that. So right. it's, you know, it's just a preference, I think, at that point. And to keep the, the more things you keep consistent from a scientific perspective, the more, the more you're going to be able to predict your outcome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just gets it's your, what's your goal, right? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, and the brewing industry is so full of scientists and artists and it's, you know, Mm -hmm. where does it overlap and where are you on that spectrum? And that's going to be reflected in your product. So, I mean, and luckily there's people out there that love everything. So you're going to find your beer, you're going to find your process, you're going to find your people. And it's just kind of, you know, 
Yeah, make every whoever happy that is part of your your crowd, man. <laughs> this right. is what I feel and, like. Right. I, that definitely makes sense. And even that explanation, I'm like, yeah, if it's, if we're talking about like me and Rachel, I'm more like rules, rules, you got to follow the rules. We need structure and framework. And Rachel's like, fuck you, get out of my face with that. I do what I want. Right. That's why I open this brewery. Yeah. And you can probably, you can probably taste it in your beers. I mean, you can probably taste that if you paid attention enough and aren't, you know, just drinking beer to have a good time. It, you know, if you're, you could taste that in the beers. You can taste right. that, you know, if Jen's making a beer, you know, it's going to have these certain characteristics because she is consistent in these certain ways. Whereas Rachel, you're probably going to be like, man, that's something that I've never had before because Rachel's willing to be like, whatever, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 No lavender. <laughs> so Melanie, another question I have for you, and this is just kind of thinking through like the finished product. Um, and it's something that has come up in some of the trainings I've done, particularly with people learning about like they're do, going through the level one Cicerone thing is um, beers that are exploding in cans because people mm. are adding the f- fruit puree and Rachel's eyes. I see people, her. Look I at it. Say, you guys can probably hear <laughs> Rachel's eyes rolling. Yeah. Um, but so I, I know people have asked me about that is like, how does that happen? Um, so if you don't like, if you don't mind, maybe just offer our listeners a brief explanation of why we're seeing exploding cans. Okay. So if I'm saying this correctly and I'll probably be corrected if I'm not. So um, <laughs> my brain, the first thing I go to is there's more sugar. You just added a bunch of sugar. So right. if there's a leaf yeast that's alive in that can or bottle or whatever, or bacteria or something that's going to eat that yeast or eat that um, fruit or the sugars from the fruit it's going to produce carbon dioxide because that's what science says. It's on my paper right here. So like, (laughs) (laughs) that's what science says. (laughs) It's like glucose is going to break down whether there's oxygen or not. And if there's anything in there that could do it, whether it's bacteria or um, yeast, it's going to do it because it wants to stay alive. So that carbon dioxide is coming out. Right. And people are doing, people are putting these beers out on purpose, knowing that people are also putting these beers out, not knowing that, which is just as equally as bad, but they're also like, you can get certain beers. It'll be on the goddamn package. It'll say, (laughs) you should, you should drink this fresh and keep it cold all the way till up at your time to drink it. Like you've been warned. Like, it's not cool. Yeah. That's scary. (laughs) Is what that is. You're just putting bombs on shelves. Yes. So, you know what people like? Help us out. Stop the epidemic. If you see these beers, <laughs> yell at the bartender. Tell them to send it back. Beer buyers, stop buying these beers. If you if you don't know, you buy one and it explodes, send it back. You don't need to keep that shit. It's bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. And at least wear protective eye gear. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's <laughs> go to the bar with helmets, people. <laughs> it is, That's scary. It's, I didn't know that was a thing. Dangerous. That is scary. That's yeah. No, scary. it's very dangerous. And a lot of, and like Rachel said, a lot of breweries now, it's kind of like a, a teehee thing that they'll put on the can. And, you know, people will show these pictures of like the tops of cans being blown off or That's cans crazy. exploding it's and like people like they they take like these consumers are taking it they're like oh well you know once it all fizzed out and i got like three ounces it was actually really good beer like fuck you no was it you just want to <sighs> feel validated for the 14 dollars bananas that you just yeah. paid for and bought and exploded in your face and you want to i mean if you're you're not gonna buy a pepsi can with a needle in it like why would you buy 
<laughs> maybe they I'm would. Sorry. I mean, that's. I don't that's, know. Maybe if you live on yeah. the edge, I guess maybe that's. Well, and don't speak too soon. That may be the next beer trend. Who I knows? have. I Just do have Pepsi with the needle in it. <laughs> I have right, Pepsi. Don't sue me. <laughs> oh God! If they if we did get a cease assist, I'd be flattered. But um, I got Listen, a question. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's, yeah. let's circle back a little bit to um, just to chemistry and. Um, fermentation and something that Rachel and you both touched on is, you know, the, the variety of strains that are available for yeast. And even let's just take like, not even ale and lager, let's just take ale yeast. Mm -hmm. What, what is it that causes that those variability in yeast strains? What is different about the makeup of that yeast? Um, The short answer is genetics. The long answer is I have to Google it and find out the the exact genetics that's the longer right (laughs) but I mean it's the same reason why like I'm guessing again I'm sure I'll be corrected I'm guessing is that you know certain people like to live in the south and certain people like to live where it snows I mean it's just that yeast's preferred environment and over time however that evolution has kind of made it do what it wants to do and needs to do that's where it performs best. So that's why there's going to be different strains for different types of beers and ones that are most easily created in certain environments. I think from my layman's perspective, who doesn't know a lot about brewing, um, it's more going to be about, about um, temperature, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Yeah. And that's, I think that's definitely true with, with certain strains. And that makes total sense to me um, in thinking through what it's like, because yeah, I know if you're using something like a Cali ale, you're probably going to ferment it somewhere like 68 to like 72. If it's something like, um, even like a Kvike, you know, that's obviously going to be like way, way high temperature. Well, Rachel, do you have uh, any other questions for Melanie? Oh, Lots. Yeah. <laughs> she, she started with, she started with an exhale and ended with an exhale. Yeah. I don't know if I've done anything. <laughs> No, you know, it's, it's definitely just, it's a, like, it's like learning about beer. It's like learning a whole nother language. It mm-hmm. is. Definitely can't t- cover enough in a podcast, let alone in a semester, probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I find it so interesting because like when we were first talking about the biochemistry and yeast creating the ATP and just like the whole kind of life cycle of, cause that's what like Jen and I, like when we, like when we take our, we took our yeast class, like at White Lab. Like mm-hmm. that's what we're taught, right? We're like, okay, yeah. you know, forget, you know, chemistry. This is about yeast, which is great. Cause, th- but for me, there's just like every once in a while, there's something like it, I'm like trying to learn the third year of Spanish without knowing any Spanish, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's what it's like. So I really do. I like getting it broken down because it, it's very helpful. It validates that I, I am like 25% there. And like, and also like, you don't always need to know the whole language to be able to go on vacation, you know, like you just need to know where the biblioteca is and (laughs) the cerveza, right? Right. (laughs) The library. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just like saying that one, you know, the library (laughs) and the beer. Yes, please. Books and beer. That's everything. I love it. Listen, that, that pretty much, yeah, that sums it up. 
for me. <laughs> um, in terms of, and it's if the answer is go buy a middle school textbook, that's totally fine too. But in terms of <laughs> like good resources, and this may not be something since you teach science, uh, you know, since that's really where you focus so much of your time, uh, it may not be within your purview, but are there any good resources out there you would recommend if Rachel and I want to go say like watch a YouTube video on, on chemistry, on, um, brewing specific stuff. I feel like we probably have a lock on that, Yeah. Uh, but like resources, books, anything you can recommend for people who are kind of like us where they, you know, they know enough to know that they don't know a lot. Right. Yeah. So um, books tend to be, I love books, but I like fiction. So, um, books are just a lot and it's a huge commitment. So if you're not wanting to like to go all in on chemistry or biology, um, and you don't want to use a textbook, which most people don't, um, there's a couple YouTube channels that I use in, um, middle school education that are great. Um, yes. if you're wanting to learn more about bacteria or yeasts or some of the chemistry of, uh, microbes, um, the Amoeba sisters are awesome. If you've got Ooh. middle schoolers at home, um, they've probably seen their videos. They're going to be three to five minutes. The girls that do them are hilarious. <laughs> nice. And they're just animated little clips on, you know, chemistry and biology. So that will probably serve you well. They do some stuff on pH and, and water and things like that. The Amoeba sisters. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're great. Not going to lie. I totally watched one video um, to prepare for this to be like, what is it again? <laughs> come on, sisters, help me out. Um, <laughs> let's see. What's the other one? I'm sure there's like middle schoolers screaming, in, yeah. screaming who are in the back yeah. of their well, like parents car. Like, why yeah. do you make me listen to this? Yeah. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be upset if middle schoolers were listening to us. Um, but yeah, sorry about yeah. that. Like, well, it's tough bar. because when you do like, no, when you do teach it in middle school, you say the word fermentation, you say the word alcohol. And of course that's where they go. And they're like, oh, my teacher's an alcoholic. We need to listen. Yeah. Like <laughs> we need to listen. <laughs> so Right. So we try to pivot them to bread, which is not as exciting, but tasty. Um, right. And so we try to teach it that way, because if you start talking about alcohol in a middle school classroom, people look at you weird. But um, <laughs> Crash Course is a good channel. Nice. That one's going to be longer videos. And they're more about like high school and maybe lower college level. I would teach I would show them to some of my middle school classes. Sometimes it would just be a little over their head. But yeah. um, those are some good ones just to okay, get, cool. you know, a good yeah. start. And then once you have the those, you know, link you to other ones that are probably sure. appropriate as well. Nice. Thank and I, I've also um, did remember while we were talking about resources that um, I have a friend who is a brewer who is a, who, or who, yes, is, I was about to say was, and I was like, well, she's, she still was a biochemistry major, um, but she, <laughs> oh, man, she's got what, it. Yeah, she does. And, but she had also recommended Khan Academy as being really good for learning about the chemistry and, and biochemistry and all of that. Yeah. Khan Academy is going to feel more like a class. Mm -hmm. okay. um, crash course and ugh, crash course and um, Amoeba Sisters is going to feel more like watching a documentary kind of fun. Cool. It's a little bit more entertaining. Like okay, Khan cool. Academy. So it kind of depends what you're in for. If you're in for like really, really understanding the science and like getting into it, Khan Academy is going to be your jam. If you're more on the like high level, like, wait, what's going on? Right. That's going to be the other two. 
Yes. I feel like, yeah, I'll definitely start out with the cartoons and then, and then <laughs> maybe progress on yes. Academy. Cartoons first. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Dip your, dip your toes in. <laughs> right. Because well, if you're so visual, I mean, Khan Academy is going to be a lot of like markers on a whiteboard, whereas, you know, you're going to yeah. have some cartoons to reference back to with the others. <laughs> right. Right. I like that. Excellent. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for joining us today. This was uh, very helpful for Rachel and I, and hopefully it's helpful for everyone uh, who is listening, including the middle schoolers um, who, <laughs> you know, who are able to finally chime in a little bit on this dumb podcast that their mom makes them listen to you. Yes, <laughs> kids, do it. <laughs> do it. Change the world. Change the beer world too. Do it all. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, thank you everyone as always for listening and uh, please take a moment and thank you to everyone who has already done this. Um, to rate, review, subscribe on whatever your podcast platform is. That helps more people learn about us. It helps us kind of bump up in the algorithm. And uh, and as always, thank you to people who share us on social media. I, I always love when somebody will share us and then somebody will comment and be like, oh, I, you know, I just subscribed. This is going to be awesome. Uh, so thank you for everyone, for all of your support, for all of your feedback. As always, we love hearing from you. And uh, Rachel and I still send screenshots to each other when you guys reach out to us because it just really makes our day. Uh, so if you are interested in doing any of those things, you can find us on social media at uh, False Bottom Girls on Instagram and Facebook. You can also email us anytime you'd like at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. Uh, Melanie, thank you again very much for joining us. Uh, this was great. And yeah, I guess that will wrap it up for us. So thank you everyone yeah, one more time and um, bonus points. If you can message us and tell me how many times I said, thank you just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me. It was a really great time. And I think it's amazing that you're giving um, extra boosts to females in the STEM careers that we choose and to understand that st steam and STEM and science is everywhere. And yeah, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you so much. Really. Yeah. Thanks, Melanie. I'll, I'll bug you later. This has been False Bottom Girls, and we make the Bruin world go round.